Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hi, I'm Linda Regano, co-host of the WAM Podcast. It's an honor to be your host, where I get to introduce listeners to some amazing women who are making a real difference. With these podcasts, you'll get to hear inspirational stories, both personal and professional challenges that our guests have overcome, how their backgrounds help to shape who they are today, and most importantly, how they're giving back to their communities and oftentimes the world. I am delighted today to have uh, Andrea Aaron Gurren, co-founder of Commodity, which is an early stage startup that's using technology to transform commodities and its supply chains. And we're going to get to hear all about this directly from Andrea, as well as her amazing journey. So Andrea, thank you for joining our show. Thank you, Linda. Thank you for having me. Let's, why don't we dive right in? Andrea, we've, we had a, a conversation beforehand, but you have just, it's an amazing background. It's such a strong one, combining finance as well as a passion for raw materials and particularly metals right now. But could you share with our listeners a little bit more about your background and your early influencers? Sure. I grew up in New Jersey, right outside of New York City, you know, would spend a lot of my weekends going in to the city, to museums and restaurants with my family. I'm very close to my parents. I also have a younger sister. My parents are doctors. Um, They were immigrants from Spain. It's a bit of that, you know, typical or, you know, quite typical American, you know, immigrant story where they came didn't know anybody, had no money and really kind of established themselves and worked really hard. And because of that, you know, they really instilled in me a lot, you know, a big focus on working hard and academics, family, you know, all we had was each other in this very tight fit, knit family. Athletics was also, you know, huge for me growing up, a big focus. I did gymnastics for a really long time. I think in a lot of ways, really kind of helped to form, you know, who I am and my personality in a lot of ways, you know, develop that sense of grit uh, and that determination had to be, you know, very organized, of course, doing, you know, focusing on school and, and gymnastics being so many hours in the gym. That's wonderful. I mean, and literally they were living the American dream coming here. Yeah, it's it's really, it's amazing to hear, you know, they basically lived in a really small apartment when they came here, um, didn't have money for furniture. My mom said she, you know, they had a delivery and they had a big box and they would just eat dinner on this box, you know, turned upside down. And it was really exciting when they bought their, you know, their first house and they still live in that house, which and is actually two minutes from where I live now. So get to go there every weekend. And it's, it's nice. It's really nice. And you have three children yourself. I do. I have two girls and a boy. They're eight, six and two and a half. Wow. So yeah. busy. Yes. And we'll definitely get to that because we want to hear how you're, how you're juggling all of this. So obviously emphasis on education and, and you have an undergraduate degree at the University of Pennsylvania. Can you just talk a little bit more about your studies and, and your MBA and, and what you were looking to do? Sure. Uh, when I was at Penn, I majored in economics and I minored in international relations and Spanish. I was always very interested in the economy and in finance. And because of my, my parents are from Spain, as you know, so with that Spanish background, you know, I wanted to kind of bring in that international component. So after Penn, I worked at UBS and wealth management in their Latin American division and, you know, learned a lot about the basics of finance and, you know, how that whole industry works. And when I was at UBS, I spent some time in Brazil and I just 
realized that I wanted to switch gears a bit and go more into commodities. And that's why I actually decided to get my MBA. And I wanted to stay in New York. And I thought Columbia, you know, would present a great opportunity. So I got my MBA at Columbia. And at the time you were at UBS, you were going at night? No, I actually left UBS 2008 to to go full-time to my ah, MBA. Okay, that was smart. And then, so tell us then about Goldman Sachs, because that's where you really got into commodities and in particular metals. Yes. So after, in, in business school, I became even more and more sort of obsessed with commodities and particularly environmental commodities and kind of this intersection between commodities and sustainability. I had this great professor, Bruce Usher, uh, who was the CEO and founder of EcoSecurities that was sold to JP Morgan, a pretty successful carbon trading firm. And, you know, he just further sort of grew this path in, in, in commodities. And so when I was thinking about what to do, you know, where better to learn from, you know, Goldman. And so I worked in Jay Aaron's in, in their commodities division. And I was part of this great program where I was able to sort of rotate into different areas. So I worked a bit more sort of on the commercial business development side. I worked in logistics. I worked in some of the operational functions and learned a ton about, you know, environmental commodities, as well as got involved in non-ferrous metals, uh, which are, you know, things like aluminum and copper also had did some really interesting deals in the oil space. Uh, so it was, it was a really great experience, but I was working a ton. I was working, as you can imagine, like 85 hour weeks. And I had a one-year-old at home and I was pregnant with my second. So that's actually when I decided to leave Goldman and do some consulting from home. So I did a bunch of consulting with startups to help them to either set up kind of their finances or worked with several companies to help them with their supply chain and their logistics as well. And that's us. So enter the logistics part of it, because that's the I think that's the unique quality that you bring to things is this combination of finance and logistics. Yeah, particularly in the context of of commodity of of our startup. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that next. You so commodity, and by the way, we should say commodity is spelled C M D T Y. The company name is correct. That's correct. We're actually going through a rebranding effort right now. So likely you'll see a new name announced. But when we incorporated last July, Brian and Scott, my co-founders, we weren't, you know, we kind of struggled a bit with the name. Um, We weren't sure. And so we settled on CMDTY because, you know, our mission is really about streamlining, you know, the physical commodity supply chain. And so the idea is it was going to be so streamlined, you didn't need any of the vowels. Uh, (laughs) time, but you know, I think that rebranding is probably necessary. Well, I don't know. I kind of like it. <laughs> you get mixed opinions. <laughs> so, so tell us more about the um, w- when you started the business, and you know, I know you have two partners, but let's talk a little bit about the industry and the business and what you're looking, what you're doing. Sure. So Brian O'Kelly and Scott Evans are my co-founders. We have a fourth co-founder who will be announced shortly. He's actually still exiting from his current position. But Brian and Scott have been friends for a really long time. And Scott has, you know, is a veteran commodities trader over 20 years in the non-ferrous space as a trader. He started the metals trading desk at Goldman, which is how I know him. Uh, He also was one of the founders for Concord Resources Limited and worked at a number of different metals trading firms. So, you know, a real expert in the field. And then Brian O'Kelly is a successful serial entrepreneur. 
um, when he sold his last venture at Nexus to AT&T for $1.6 billion about two years ago. You know, him and Scott were talking and Scott was sort of venting a bit about all the inefficiencies in, in the physical commodity space. And, you know, how can it be that we can take advantage of all of these luxuries in our in our personal lives, you know, in terms of tracking shipments and just doing things digitally and everything is just so much more streamlined and not relying on paper. And, you know, Brian was like really intrigued by trying to, you know, actually improve that in, you know, in the physical commodities market. And so they reached out to me, they brought me in because they needed, you know, somebody more with an operational logistics background. So we, you know, we teamed up and the idea is that, you know, the opportunity set is really vast. You know, the physical commodities market on the global market, you know, on the global scale is a $4 trillion industry. And it's amazing, you know, the how little has changed over the years. You know, people are just doing things the way they were doing things, you know, 50 years ago, super reliant on paper, very inefficient. I mean, people are still sending faxes, you know, you have handwritten bills of lading. It's hard to believe, um, isn't it? Yeah. It's really unbelievable for something that's so important and, you know, upon which entire economies rely on. And you just have this just huge amounts of inefficiency. And so we truly believe that we can bring technology to the industry to streamline, to connect all the different participants within the global supply chain, to digitize, you know, and to bring a lot of the sort of luxuries that we're used to in our personal lives into, you know, this, this market. Yeah. And I remember you first telling me that, you know, just going on Amazon, you can track a package from, you know, from when you first ordered it to when it's going to land on your doorstep. Yeah, that was actually one of the sort of epiphanies or this moment that Scott had when he bought these $60 fencing shoes for his daughter. He always tells the story, but it's so true that, you know, he buys these $60 fencing shoes and he knows, first of all, there's a million options. You can easily find what you want and then you can track it from, you know, it's being prepared in the warehouse. It's sent, it's being, you know, it's left the warehouse and you can just see every step along the way until they arrive, you know, at your doorstep. And then you're buying, you know, half a million dollars worth of copper and you're just hoping that the truck arrives. And it's really unbelievable. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, yeah, absolutely. So talk about the platform that you created. Maybe you just describe if you could the product that you're sure. starting with. Yeah, platform is, is definitely accurate. So we, right now we're focused on our first product. And because of course, you know, this overall mission of streamlining supply chain is is quite broad. So we did a lot of thinking in terms of what's going to be the first product that we really go to market with. And after a ton of research and conversations with a variety of different participants, we've settled, we've been focused on a procurement platform um, or the buying platform. And the idea is that we're providing a holistic solution that's really an end-to-end platform for consumers of non-ferrous metals. So, you know, any buyer that needs aluminum or copper or zinc, any non-ferrous metal, they can, you know, go to market and they could request what they call request for quote, um, you know, indicating they need a certain amount of material and they can manage all of that via the platform, via this formal process or informal process. They can handle negotiations on the platform. They can book trades. They can schedule deliveries. They can track the actual shipments against that delivery. They can manage all the documents. So it's really sort of this one-stop shop, you know, end-to-end holistic solution for procurement in the the space. 
That's that's excellent. Wow, that that's definitely uh, something that's needed. So, is it also a marketplace then? Because when you're first coming in, if it's end to end, you're starting off. You you need to get pricing. Where is that pricing coming from? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question, and and probably because Brian's background is very much in the marketplace space, and he really created a digital marketplace and advertising, and so that is certainly part of the ultimate vision for commodity, but we've actually been very deliberate to start initially, you know, focused on the buyer side of the market and really providing them with the toolkit and all of the functionality they need to be successful and to drive significant savings. And then, you know, I guess it was pretty predictable that the next product is essentially going to be a seller platform. And then, and then you can see how it naturally develops into a marketplace over time. Absolutely. And so can you talk a little bit about some success stories and how this has actually worked in, you know, with different clients? Sure. Well, we're actually, we're very new. We signed our first customer last week. So congratulations. This, thank you. This is actually good timing. We will be making likely a formal announcement, you know, over the coming months. So we can't reveal the name quite yet, but it's a very, very large uh, consumer of copper, one of the largest in the world. So we're very excited about that. And we'll be going live with them in the early fall. That's exciting. That's very exciting. And so, I mean, obviously you're starting with metals and and there's definitely a need there. But what other industries do you see this naturally falling to? That's something that we're very actively thinking about all the time. We're seeing that a lot of the customers that we're talking to, you know, they obviously buy a number of different raw materials. So they're buying non-ferrous metals, but they're also buying chemicals, they're buying that gas, they're buying a variety of different things. And they want, you know, one procurement platform to handle all the raw material needs. So that's, you know, we're really evaluating what the next vertical is. I think that likely we'll go into adjacent commodities such as steel, potentially chemicals, you know, we'll see. It's really going to be driven by customer demand. Mm, okay. And so, so in terms of going forward, I mean, right now you you have offices where? Where are they, or I should we say probably offices. everybody's virtual, right? Yes, because everybody's COVID. virtual. But once we return to some sense of normalcy, we have an office in New York as well as in London. And we also have some engineers in Portland, Oregon, and in down in Brazil. And how many people are in the company? We're at 20 now. That's great. So that's exciting. Yes, we went from three to twenty. Um, so it's been so, it's been an exciting year. So talk about if you could what what have been the challenges? What have been your biggest challenges so far, a- outside of obviously of of COVID? Yes, COVID was certainly a challenge in terms of extending the sales cycle. But our biggest challenge was uh, honestly trying to su- decide what our first product was going to be. There are so many different inefficiencies and the supply chain is so complex and there's so many sort of different submarkets or different niche areas to focus on. And when you start peeling back the onion, you know, everything is just so layered and complex that you can't really tackle everything at once. And so being really deliberate in what the first product was going to be probably took us longer than we expected. But that makes sense. And that's actually a smart approach as opposed to just going out there with something. Yeah, we we saw a number of our competitors or other companies fail, you know, as they seemed to take on too much, didn't really have time to understand the needs of the market, had issues driving adoption. And so we really wanted to be very deliberate in how to, you know, avoid those pitfalls. So speaking of competition, is there anybody out there that's doing, you know, exactly what you're doing? We don't see anybody doing exactly what we're doing. I mean, of course, there are a number of procurement platforms, but they're not necessarily 
you know, as focused on metals or provide as holistic of a solution. You know, there there are certain, you know, companies out there like Coupa and, you know, Ariba, but, you know, we we see ourselves as differentiated. And perhaps even complementing those, you know, I don't know with the first product, but perhaps, you know, how you work with other ERP systems. Exactly. We're definitely not looking to go into the ERP space. So that's, you know, an area where we would be looking to potentially partner to integrate. So tell me, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, just juggling all of this, I mean, obviously you've got a lot going on, right? You're coming out, you've got a brand new product, new clients, new new company. And in the meantime, you've got three young kids who are probably at home right now. And ha- how are you juggling it all? It's hard. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Definitely tired. You know, I do a fair amount of work before they wake up and when they go to sleep. You know, it's obviously super important to have help. So I, you know, it's it's been hard to get reliable people to come every day, but I think I've, I have a great babysitter now. I think that's actually really important. I'm very fortunate to be close to my parents. Uh, they're still working pretty full-time as doctors, but they have more flexibility and they come help me in the afternoons. I have a sister that lives 20 minutes away. So I think a combination of different factors, you know, and, and just getting help where I can. Yeah. No, it, it takes a village. It definitely takes a village. And I have to say it helps that we can't travel right now, actually, because I'm, I'm more around. I save time not commuting. That actually does help. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So if you could just talk a little bit about, I mean, you, you've, you've been mentoring other people, but who, who has been probably your, your biggest mentor? You know, it's interesting that, you know, we, we talked about that a bit when we were when in our last conversation and, you know, I don't really, it's probably funny to say, but I think that my biggest mentors are the big, you know, the biggest influence in my life are certainly my parents. And then, you know, ironically, my eighth grade English teacher, uh, it was very close to her. And she, I think, instilled sort of this confidence in me and this sense that anything was possible that certainly empowered me, you know, and gave me a confidence that is kind of persisted. And really the confidence to take risks, like what you're doing right now. I mean, it, I mean, it's a calculated risk, but it, you know, a lot of women don't do that. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you do, you do need a certain sense of confidence to take a leap of faith, you know, in different, different opportunities, you know, even every decision I've made from deciding to quit, you know, Goldman to doing consulting to, you know, we didn't talk about my time at IHS market, but I, I also worked at IHS market and then left, you know, every decision that seemed sort of risky at the time. And then of course the decision to, start this company, you know, at a time when my kids are young and everything, it definitely requires a certain sense of confidence. Yeah, absolutely. So I always love to ask these questions, you know, to women like you who are doing amazing things, but what's the best advice you ever got and how did it change you? And and it might be advice that you didn't take. Yeah, that's also an interesting question. You know, I don't, I couldn't actually think of one, you know, specific piece of advice the thing that just kind of sticks out in my mind is that my dad would always tell me, don't be afraid to be different. And, you know, at a time when, particularly if you think about a woman, you know, women, you know, sort of were doing similar things or, you know, not necessarily, you know, taking leadership positions or trying to 
do things that are a bit out, outside the box. And my dad would always say, don't be afraid to be different. And that's something that I've continued to think about. And, and what advice would you give to, to young women, not just young women, any woman who is listening today? I think that it's all about finding a balance in your life that is sustainable and keeps you happy and that you always have to make choices, but that, you know, you'll get there. I know about so many women that struggle, you know, if they're just home and they want to work, but they feel guilty leaving the kids or, you know, they're working too much and then they feel guilty because they don't see the kids and, you know, finding that sort of unattainable balance between work and family. Um, and at times it seems not possible, but, you know, I would just want to say that you'll, you'll get there and that you just need to sort of iterate and adjust and have the right support network in, in place. And then you should just do whatever makes you happy because if you're not happy, then you can't be as good of a mom or you can't be as good of an executive. And I think that's really critical. I think that's great advice. Absolutely. And just one final question. I always like to ask if you could have one superpower today, whether it's invisibility, super strength, mind control, whatever it is, what what would yours be? Mine is maybe, I, I would actually love to be able to time travel, go back and to relive special moments, but also to go forward and to be able to see the implications of decisions or actions that you take to help inform, you know, as you make decisions, I, I would love to be able to move forward and back in time. Love that. Absolutely love that. In fact, it reminds me of Steve Jobs in, uh, uh, if you recall, he was doing a, he had a famous commencement speech that he did in California. And he talked about connecting the dots and how in our life, we, it, all the different experiences that we have are, you know, when you look back on it, you could see where the dots were connected and how it led you to where you are today. And and it just, it seems like that for you as well. It's true. It's true. Yeah. My professional journey has definitely not been a straight line and one that has been very unpredictable. And I feel at times you, I found myself sort of in these forks of the road and I could have gone one way or the other and whichever decision I made would have taken me along a very different path. And so when you're at those moments, it would be nice to see kind of what the implications of your decisions would be and maybe have some visibility in how those dots would be connected. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we can't go back in time, but but we can look back and appreciate. And, you know, just your story, I think, helps a lot of other women. And that whole message of confidence is so critical because I wish more women had the confidence to take risks and to, you know, pursue the things that they really love. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm sorry. We're coming to the end of this podcast. Andrea, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and your excellent insights. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Linda. And so Andrea, for people who want to learn more about you, they can uh, certainly go to you on LinkedIn, but where should they go to find out more about Commodity? Yep. So our website is www.cmdtymkt.com. So commoditymarket.com. Okay, terrific. And we'll post this online as well with that. All right. Well, we're out of time, but we look forward to our next show. Listeners out there, stay tuned for more great stories with amazing women. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.